Welcome, everybody, to another great podcast from the Crystal River Church of God. Whether you're on your way to work, on your lunch break, or even taking a jog, our prayer for you is that this helps you to find focus for living. We truly hope you enjoy this message live from CRCOG. So, so what, what, is, what is going on in our world today? Now, I, as soon as I ask that question, I'm sure a flood of information comes to you. There's all kinds of different things that you could point out. I could probably spend the majority of my time up here labeling off bad things that have happened. And that's not what I'm going to do. I'm not going to, yeah, right? We get enough, we get enough of that bad stuff um, out there in the world. And that's what we see all the time. And so a little bit ago, I did a series with my students on the noise or the sounds that we hear. And, and it went pretty well, I think. And the kids responded really well. And, and we were talking about all the things that we're hearing. We're hearing bad news. We're hearing these different things. And so today I wanted to talk about our sight. I wanted to talk about the things that we see. And it's very interesting to me that if, it, if you're not talking about the things that you hear, the, ne- the most prominent sense that we have is most likely sight. If you see it, you know, it exists for you. If you see it, your experience is better. Um, how many of you have ever tried to watch a movie without seeing it? That don't make no sense. You can't do that because you have to be able to see it. And so if all we were limited to was just our hearing, then we would miss out on a huge percentage of what we could, could experience. And so our sight plays a huge role in our day-to-day living. And so right now, all we're seeing is violence and crime and struggle and pain. And so as you continue to get bombarded with all of these negative things that you see, I wanted to kind of come against that. I wanted to combat that with what God shows us in Scripture. And I want to take a look at not only our physical sight, but I want to take a look at our spiritual sight, your soul's eye, if you will. And so we're going to turn to a less than famous book of the Bible tonight. We're going to turn to Habakkuk chapter 1. Now, how many of you Thump that Bible enough to know where Habakkuk is. All right, we got a couple of hands up. Very good. I'm proud of those that knew. Uh, I did not, truthfully speaking. I was like, where is Habakkuk? Because I knew that there was a verse here that talks about our vision. And I said, I want to use that one. Because Pastor, he already preached about our vision. Now, how many of y'all remember that excellent sermon series that he did on our vision at the beginning of 2020? That was an awesome sermon series. And so uh, I'm just pulling up his notes and preaching it. I'm just kidding. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. No, what we're going to do tonight is we're going to look at it from another perspective because Pastor talked about getting our sight right, and he talked about our vision for 2020. And when he preached that message, we had no idea what was coming. We had no idea what we were going to see in 2020. Stuff that we'd never seen in our personal lifetimes has happened. The, The violence has increased. The struggle has increased. The, the death has increased. And so everything that we're seeing now was not something that necessarily pastor was prepared for. But it's very interesting, and I'm going to show you here in just a little bit, how when it comes time for us to get our vision corrected, when it comes time for us to get our sight right, God has to begin to do some uncomfortable things. God has to begin to do some difficult things so that he can get our broken thing fixed. And so you're going to see how God does that in this scripture in Habakkuk. So in chapter 1 of Habakkuk, verse number 1, it says this, The burden which the prophet Habakkuk saw. That's how it starts. The burden which the prophet Habakkuk saw. 
He says, O Lord, how long shall I cry, and you will not hear? Even cry out to you, violence, and you do not save. Why do you show me iniquity and cause me this trouble? For plundering and violence are before me. There is strife and contention arises. Therefore, it feels like the law is powerless and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous. Therefore, perverse judgment proceeds. And so what is Habakkuk saying? You're like, where's the hope? I see no hope. Neither did Habakkuk. Habakkuk was living in a time where they were serving pagan gods. They had turned their back on the one true God, Jehovah, and the land was being ravaged by people, and they were, they were starving, and they were sick, and there was all kinds of just famine and pestilence and bad things happening in Israel. Israel was, was in just terrible sorts. And so there, Habakkuk is calling out, and he's like, God, do you not see this? Do you not see me in my struggle? How often have you felt, felt this way? Does God not see me in my trial? Does God not see me in the midst of my my difficulty? I feel like I'm doing this on my own. You see, it says that Habakkuk was a prophet. So his job was to deliver the word of the Lord to the people. His job was to be in tune with the Father. And even this man who was so close to God is saying, are you awake up there? Do you hear, do you see what's happening to me? I, I, am, I am surrounded by just pain. I am surrounded by bitterness and hatred. And it seems like the wicked are prevailing on every front. And it's like, it's like this in our, in our day and age today. You turn on the news and it's like they'll spend two seconds on something good. And then the rest of it is like all the bad stuff. Just because people watch the bad stuff. They get on there and they get their ratings when people start watching all the bad things that are going on. And they, they, they want to make us scared. They want to make us low. They want to make us afraid. And, and, and we see that stuff and it just begins to weigh us down. Not only do we see the stuff that's happening in the world around us, but let's make it more intimate. We see our own personal lives. And we see the difficulty in our own lives just mounting against us. We see the struggles in our own lives increasing on the daily and it feels like, God, I'm serving you. I'm trusting you. I'm following you. And yet, it feels like you don't see me. It feels like you're not watching. It feels like I'm forgotten. Has anyone ever been there before? I sure know that I have. I've been in places where I felt like even though I was with my spouse, I was alone. And it wasn't her fault. I was isolated by the stuff that I was looking at, the stuff that I was focusing on. I was missing what God was doing because my sight wasn't right. And so what happens is Habakkuk is crying out to God, and he's saying this. And I want to show you something very encouraging. It's okay sometimes to complain. Uh Uh-oh. It's okay sometimes to be like, God, what is going on? You're like, God, I don't understand. I don't see what you're doing. I'm confused. I'm afraid. I'm alone. There's all kind of pain going on, and I just need to understand. And so Habakkuk, when he calls out to God, this is something very interesting that I want you to see in verse number five. Because right now, all we see is the negativity. In verse number five, the Lord says, look. Now, for those of you that don't realize, look is a synonym for see. It's the same thing. Look or see. So God, he's saying, all I see in the first first verse, he says, the burden which the prophet Habakkuk saw. Then God says, All right, my child, I'm listening. And then he says, look. So what is he doing? What is he showing Habakkuk? He's saying, Habakkuk, you see a lot of things, but you're not looking. 
You see a lot of the things going on in this world, but you haven't got any vision. You're not seeing what I really am doing. You're not seeing my hand active, and I need you to take a closer look. Has any of you ever gotten into an argument and you said, now look here? Yeah? You said, now look here. Now, now if, you're, if you're my papa when he's being funny, he said, now looky here. And then you're like, uh-oh, I'm in for it, right? And so God is like, now look here. You're looking over there. You're looking at CNN. You're looking at Fox. You're looking at the news. You're looking at all, all these struggles. And, and, and you need to stop looking there and you need to look here. And God begins to say something to him, which is so encouraging. He says, look among the nations and watch. Be utterly astounded. For, and in my book, this is underlined, it says, For I will work a work in your days, which you would not believe, even if it were told to you. And so he says, you're looking at all of this stuff, but you're not seeing me. So many of us spend so much time looking at the problem or looking through blurry vision that we struggle to see what God is actually up to in our lives. So many of us are seeing it as we're being, we're being set back. And like Brian Cutshaw said, he said, no, a setback is actually God setting us up. See, it's time for us to look at things the way that God looks at things. You look at a struggle and you see something that's trying to hinder you. And God looks at a struggle and he sees something that he's trying to propel you forward with. See, some of you are going through difficulty right now, and because you're looking at it through the lens of pessimism, because you're looking at it through the lens of a lack of faith, you're missing that God is trying to build something in you and do something amazing. I want to talk to you guys a little bit about something extremely fascinating. In 1948 was the first corneal corrective eye surgery. It wasn't done with lasers. Let me tell you how terrifying this is. The man who invented this had a really long Spanish or French name that I don't care to pronounce again, so we're just going to call him French Dude. So French Dude developed this, this procedure, this surgery, and it, it goes like this. So if you're squeamish, buckle up. So he would, he would get these people, and he would sedate them as good as they could in 1948. Then he would take a razor blade, okay, yeah, uh, hey, listen, I, I watched some of the, the eye surgeries in preparation for this, and let me just say, like, my jaw was sore from clenching so much. Um, but anyways, so, so he would take a razor blade, and he would actually sever the front portion of the cornea off of these people's eyes, okay? So for those of you that don't know, that's a little clear flap of, of skin or, or flesh-type membrane on the front of your eye. He would sever that off. He would take it, and he would dump it in nitroglycerin to freeze it. He would freeze it in nitroglycerin, and y'all are on pins and needles, I'm sorry, but we'll get through this, and I want to show you something very interesting. And he would freeze it in nitroglycerin, he would take the cornea out of the, uh, uh, the nitroglycerin frozen, he would strap it into a lathe, and then he would grind the cornea to the correct shape so that people would then again begin to see with focus. Then he would stitch it back. Yeah, we can all just appreciate how terrible that would have been. I'm going to take my glasses any day, any day. I don't, you can call me nerd, loser, lame-o, I don't care, dude. I, give me them glasses a million times before you grind my cornea and freeze it and stitch my eye hole back together. I'm not with that. I'm not with that. But, but listen, sometimes when God is trying to get your sight right, you got to go through some discomfort. Sometimes, amen, sometimes when God wants you to see things his way, he's going to have to bring you through some things that ain't your way. See, I don't know about you, but I wasn't going to sign up for this. 
If there had been a sign-up sheet out in the foyer for baptism and then over here COVID-19, how many people would y'all know? No one would have signed up for that. We'd have had all them 19 baptisms and then zero for COVID-19 because you don't want that. You're not, you're not ready for that. You're not saying, yeah, sign me up for eight months of misery, please. Nobody wants this. Nobody expected this. Nobody was prepared for this. But listen, God was. And God said, on the other side of this, you're going to be able to see things the way I want you to see things. Amen. Amen. And when you get your sight right, it don't matter about what's going on around you because you're not looking at that. You're looking at him. And even though he had to cut this off and grind that out, listen, some of y'all got stuff in your life. And and if I were to do it like pastor, some of y'all got some stuff in your life. That y'all need to grind out. Y'all need to cut out. I'm not looking at nobody. But listen, it's the truth. There's stuff in our lives. Man, it might be a little small thing. How many of y'all got a speck of something in your eye before? That, that little speck of something, that makes a huge difference, don't it? But how come so many of us don't treat our souls that way? How come so many? Man, if I got, I, I was working at Amazon one time. And, and I was working with a, a particular box, and we had this stuff called dunnage that would come out of the box, and sometimes uh, to fill the box up to keep it safe. And so sometimes dust would come off of that machine. And there was a particular cleaning station over here for if you got that dust in your eyes. And when you got that dust in your eyes, you wanted really quickly to go over there because of the way that the chemicals were, it would mat up in your eye. It was really nasty. Um, But one time, I saw one of my buddies get this stuff in his eye. And they had talked about how terrible it would be if he got it in his eye. And so he ran over to the, the water thing and starts flushing his eye out. And he could control how much, and he just turns it on full blast. And it's like, blasting his eyes. And he's like, Mars! you know, and he's just freaking out. And, and, and he's trying to get all this stuff out of his eyes. But when we get something into our soul, we don't pay the same respect. We get something, we say, oh, it's just a little television show. It's just partial nudity. It's just a little bit of bad language. It's just a little bit of bad music, and then we're, we're sitting there, we got all these specks and this dirt and this grime in our soul, and we can't see straight, and we're not worried about rinsing it out. I see so much stuff on my kids' social media and on my adult friends' social media that I'm like, listen, y'all, th- that ain't right. It's, it's just simply not right. I don't got to beat around the bush about it. There's stuff that we do that has become just commonplace, and I think what's happened is it kind of started at the top. Because we had pastors that were participating in affairs. We had pastors that were, 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 were referencing uh, different things from pop culture from their stages like it was okay. And we got the, all this, this, this terrible stuff that's trickling down. And, and what happens is, and, and they teach us this whenever I was learning about uh, teaching youth. They said, basically, wherever I set the bar, my students will be about 60% under that. And I think Pastor Justin referenced that today, as a matter of fact. And so wherever we set the bar, people around us are going to be set, uh, if, if we're leaders, that is, are going to be just a little bit under that. And so if I am comfortable one type of way with just a little bit of nudity or a little bit of misbehavior or whatever the case may be, then they're going to be uh, comfortable with a, a little bit more. So they're going to go a little bit further. And so when our Christian leaders You guys, by the way, are Christian leaders. We're a chosen, set-apart, royal priesthood. No one's exempt from this. And so your example is setting the bar for the people around you. And so let's take it to just the nuclear family. As a household uh, leader, as a father, or, or whoever's the head of your household, whether male, female, whatever the case may be, if you're leading and you're okay with just a little bit of raunchy music, 
then your kids are going to listen to a lot of raunchy music. They're not going to care about that stuff because my dad listens to it. My mom listens to it. My mom participates in it. And then they start to participate in it. And you have no leg to stand on when you say, well, y'all turn that music off. It's so funny to me. Uh, I have had some parents in the past of my students. And I know that these parents cuss like sailors. I know it. And then we'll be, we'll be talking and my kid will say, or the, their kid will say something that they're not proud of. And they're like, hey, we don't talk like that. And then the kid looks at them like, we don't? That's news to me. I had no idea, but they get around a certain type of people, and then all of a sudden, oh, no, no, that's not right. You can't do it like that. It's got to be consistent integrity and character at all times. Otherwise, your sight's not going to be right, and if your sight's not right, how are you going to teach them to see things? And so there's two different kind of things. Actually, three. There's three different types of vision uh, imperfections. There's nearsightedness, which is called myopia. There's farsightedness, which is called hyperopia, and then there's astigmatism, which is an actual mixture of the two. Now, for those of you that don't know, just to help me, because I didn't know, how many of you know how it even works? How, how hyper, yeah, exactly. That's how I felt too. We're on the same page. So I was like, well, what even is nearsightedness? Why does it work like this? Let me show you something very interesting. The lens or the cornea on the front of your eye, uh, it, it's shaped a particular way. And it's made to refract the light or bend the light to a focal point in the back of your eye called the retina. And so what happens is, is that this cornea, the shape of the cornea, if it's too short, it bends the lens and it makes the light refract too close. And it actually doesn't hit the focal point in the back of your eye, resulting in blurry vision. And then if you have farsightedness, it means that the cornea is too flat and it does not refract the light, refract, refract. The light enough, and it actually has a focus point behind your eye, and therefore you can only see things far away. And so what happens is, whenever they go in and they perform LASIK or grind your cornea, they're changing the shape of it so that that refracted light hits the appropriate point in your eye so that you can then see clearly. So that's why you have concave or convex lenses on your face right now if you're wearing glasses or contacts. It's just to correct for that improper shape of your cornea. So the more you know. Very fun. So what am I trying to say? If we don't have the right kind of light, if the light's not hitting us in the right spots, we're not going to be able to see the things that God is trying to show us. And so what happens when we get into the presence of God? We begin to bask in God's light. We begin to receive that light. And when that light hits us in the right spot, we begin to see the things that God wants us to see. Let me show you something from my life uh, very quickly. I, I had an idea that I was going to play a game up here. Uh, but we were going to have a blindfolded contestant. Um, but anyways, I thought I'd just explain it to you because it would have been hilarious. It would have been fun, but I might have made a mess, and Pastor is not okay with that. So... Um, Jimmy Fallon did this bit where he would take celebrities and he would get a box. He would blindfold the celebrities and he would make them stick their hands into this box and touch nasty stuff. Um, you know, like spaghetti and noodles. One time it was like nasty, like fish guts or something. It's just a bunch of nasty stuff. Um, but what would happen is he would actually, I think I can do this. Um, hmm. Madeline, come on. Y'all give it up for Madeline. She had no idea. Now, this is awesome because this is, is this your second Wednesday? Yeah. Second Wednesday. 
I know, I know she's early or like she hadn't been here in a long time because her hand went up. Like, that's how I knew she hadn't been here too long. So, uh, Miss Amy, will you come up here too? It's going to be, you know, well, it might be a little crazy. So, can I trust you to keep your eyes shut? Okay, so shut your eyes. Keep them shut. I see, I see them winking open. Yeah, see, yeah, I see them winking open. All right, there you go. All right, all right, cool, cool. Now, now. Can y'all believe I did that to her? Hey, hey, you can open them now. Were you a little nervous? Then why are you laughing so hard? You look a little, I mean, you look a little nervous. Maybe a little bit. Okay, fair enough. All right, all right. It didn't work quite like I wanted to, but Madeline's, I guess, tough as nails. I don't know. Maybe I grabbed the wrong one. That's why she put her hand up. But anyways, what I was trying to illustrate is this. Um, whenever we have darkness in our life or, or we can't see things, oh, I know what will do this. I got a story for y'all, and usually I bust out a stool or something when I go to sit and tell my stories. How many of y'all remember my story I told y'all during noise? Y'all ready for this one? So anyways, uh, what happened is I'm scared, okay? I I get scary. Just little things will frighten me, and I have an overactive imagination, and when I was 12 years old, I had nightmares because I watched Pirates of the Caribbean. So, like, I I get nervous. I get scary. And so there was one particular instance Listen, uh, all right, so the three things I'm scared of, snakes and spiders for sure. Um, I'm I'm scared of the dark or what might be in the dark, and I'm scared of doctor's visits after the age of 40. I'm terrified of them things. I've heard a lot of of bad things about doctor's visits after you're 40, Dad. So, you know, anyways. My my experience that I want to share with you guys, I was was walking into the church, and how many of y'all know that churches with the lights off are one of the scariest places you can go to? You turn the lights on and it's like, glory, hallelujah, praise Jesus. You turn the lights off, every one of these exit signs is like radiating light from just the depths. And you're terrified. You can barely see anything and you're just afraid. And so there was one, in, one uh, circumstance in particular where I was coming into uh, to work through the gym. And the gym, when the lights are off, is just pitch black. You can't see anything. And so I was doing that, and I, I do that frequently. I'll come in through there, and the light switch is over here. Most of the time, I'll flip that one on and be no big deal. But there's one, one time in particular, I came into the pitch black gym. And so I'm already hustling. How many, y'all, how many of y'all are, even though you're grown people, you still hustle a little bit because you're like, the light is off, and, you know, boogeyman comes out in the dark. I got to go grab me, you know, it's a bagel and cream cheese, but I got to hustle because, you know, the lights are off, and I'm nervous. Right, I open the refrigerator, I'm like, okay, I feel safe for a second, grab the stuff, shut it, demons instantly, you know, like I'm afraid. <laughs> and, so, and so I walk into the gym, and I'm just hustling, you know, getting through, you know, I got to get to this light switch, you know, even though it's the house of God, I'm just afraid. And so all of a sudden, I hear this just ungodly noise coming from somewhere in the gym, it's just like, ah! I was like, ow! <laughs> Terrified. Because I'm certain, I mean, I've heard stories, people have told me about supernatural encounters where like demons was around the sanctuary or somewhere and they had to go cast it out. And I'm here, I'm looking for the anointing oil. I'm like, I got to grab something. I got to grab my sword, my Bible or something. I got to get, I got to get rid of this because I hear this noise and I'm just terrified. And so what do you do when you hear something a little bit scary? You speed up, right? So my little bitty, uh, you know, grown man afraid, you know, hustle turned into like little girl afraid sprint. And so I'm sprinting away from 
the witch or whatever it was in the gym. And it's just like, I'm like, Jesus, help me, God, help me, Lord. And so I'm running. And as I'm running, I didn't realize. See, usually the gym is set up with five tables, and they're set up kind of like further forward at the middle of the gym. And the chairs are set up for service, and it's, and it's all, you know, I, I know exactly the layout. Well, I didn't realize this, but Maximum Assault was set up. And so what happens when Maximum Assault is set up is there's way more than five tables, and they're all spread out all over the gym, and I didn't realize it. And so it's dark. I can't see. The witch is right behind me, breathing down my neck. And I'm sprinting at little baby girl, grown man speed, you know, whatever. And I smacked this chair with my shin. I decimated my leg. I had a dent. I laid on the ground. But listen, it didn't stop me. Because if I, if I had stopped, whatever it would have, would have ate my heart. And I would have been done. And so, and so I just, I, I'm scrambling on the ground. And I'm just like, please don't eat me. Ah. You know, I'm 28 years old at the time. This is embarrassing. And I turn around, and my coworker, Josh Ryle, is sitting there laughing and laughing and laughing because he had, he had heard me opening the door and ducked down behind the sound system and started making these demon noises, which he had to have heard it from somewhere because, I mean... If, if ever I heard a demon, that was it right there. Because he was making those noises, and I ran and hurt myself. I got in all kinds of problems. Pastor Anthony, that was a funny story, but how does it help me? When you get in the dark spiritually, and you can't see, you can't see what's coming, you don't know what's happening, you don't understand why your life is the way it is, you begin to rust decisions, you begin to make, make mistakes, and you begin to do things that you normally wouldn't do because you're confused or because you're afraid. And in times like we're living in now with the darkness all around us, it's so easy for us to hear just a little noise, and because we can't see something else, we start to panic, and we start to shake in our boots, and we do something that ends up getting us hurt. And I don't want any of us to fall into that trap. I don't want our students, I don't want our adults to lose sight of the light that God has placed inside of us because that light that's placed inside of us will shine outward and it will illuminate the path before us. We need the light in our life so that we can see and go forward without harming ourselves. He says that your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. That way we don't get harmed or hurt ourselves. And so we got to get our sight right. God told him, you got to look again. Among the nations you will be utterly astounded, for I will work in your days. Not their days, not, not, not your kids' days, not just these young people's lives. I will work in your day. I will work in your day and age, your time. I will work in your present situation. My grace is not restricted just to someone else. My grace is not restricted just for the people overseas. Not, not for anyone else, but it's for you. My blessings, my favor, my provision, it's all for you. Every single one of us in this building tonight has access to the favor and the blessings and the miracles of God. And so he says, I will work in your day. And so then Habakkuk, not quite seeing it, not quite looking, he asks a question again. And he begins to question the Lord in verse number 12. Are you not from everlasting, O Lord, my God, my holy one? O Lord, you have appointed them for judgment. O Rock, you have marked them for correction. 
You hold your tongue. This is skipping on down to verse 13. He says, why do you look on those who deal treacherously? And you hold your tongue when the wicked is devouring a person more righteous than he. Why do you make men like fish of the sea or creeping things that have no ruler over him? So basically what he's saying again is like, God, I hear you saying to look, but I don't see. I'm trying to look, but I don't see. So God, where are you? And I'm reminded of the prophet Elijah in 2 Kings, Elisha. Elisha was in a time where there was a king of Syria, his name was Aram, and Aram was trying to destroy Jerusalem. He's trying to destroy the Israelites. And, and uh, he was making all these plans, these war plans, and he would send his people out, and the man of God would get revelation. Elisha would get revelation from God, and he would give it to the king. The king would act, and they would avoid destruction. And the king was scratching his head and trying to figure out, how are the Israelites always one step ahead of me? And then he looks at his people, and he's like, there must be a spy in our camp. And then they're like, surely not. There is a man of God that is giving them all of our information because he's getting it from God. And so then this king, Aram, he says, well, then we're going to kill him. We're going to kill that man. And then as long as we can find him, then we can finally get to the people we're actually trying to destroy. I want to give you a little segue, a little parentheses. I want you to focus up on this right now. If, if the devil's going to get your kids, he's going to start with you. If your devil's going to get your family, he's going to start with you. If he's going to mess up someone, he's going to go through the person who's over them, protecting them, providing for them. Because if he can mess you up, he can mess all of them up. And so God, uh, the devil is going to attack you, and you got to be prepared. Because Elijah was the one that was standing in the gate to protect all of Israel. And because he was hearing from God, they were maintained, and they were safe. But as soon, if he hadn't have been hearing from God, the Israelites would have been wiped out. We've got to be seeing. We've got to be hearing. And so they, they set up all around Elisha, and Elisha had a servant with him. And Elisha, uh, his servant, wakes up in the morning. He goes out, and he sees that the entire army of the Syrians is encamped about them. And they got chariots, and they've got horsemen, and they've got weapons and torches, and they're about, they're sending a whole army against one man. That lets us know how big of a threat we are when we're hearing from God. That lets us know how big of a threat we are when we see things the way that God sees things, the way that God is trying to develop in us. If we can receive that sight, the devil would be put on notice, and he wouldn't be able to do anything about us. And so the whole army goes against Elisha, and the servant goes out, and he sees him, and he runs back in panic, and he's like, Elijah, Elijah, we're going to die. There's people. They're going to kill us. And Elijah's like, Bill, you're not dog. Calm down, you know. <laughs> That's how my buddy, my, my buddy is Jamaican roommate. He, he always talked like that. He said, Bill, you're not dog. You need to calm down. And so he says, you just, just relax. You're, you're freaking out over nothing. And he's like, don't you see them? And Elijah's like, yeah, I see them but I also see something else. And he says a prayer, and he says, God, I pray that you would let him see what I see. And it says like that, that his eyes were open, the servant's eyes were open, and he saw angels surrounding the enemies that were surrounding them. And so when he got his eyes open, amen, the, the, the enemy that looked like it was surrounding him was going to destroy him and take everything away from him. 
The Lord says, no, I got a bigger army than even this whole one that's coming against you. You might be one man, but I'm a whole force. I've got all of heaven's armies on your side, ready to fight to keep what you feel like you're losing. So you're looking at this situation. You're saying, I lost my job. It's, this is bigger than me. Yeah, it's bigger than you, but it's not bigger than God's forces. It's not bigger than God's armies. It's not more than God's angels. And he's got all of them set up to protect you and to defend you in the middle of this time, just if we can receive that sight. See, it says in Scripture that the the righteous walk by faith and not by, that's because looks can be deceiving. And anybody who's been to a bar and had one too many has woke up the next morning and realized that looks can be very deceiving. And so sometimes y'all can't trust your sight now. And there'll be some ladies that I'm like, man, y'all definitely, y'all had to not be seeing right when y'all married that dude. Or y'all had to be not seeing right when you married her or whatever the case may be. Dad, don't put your hands up. Come on now. <laughs> no, because looks can be deceiving. And our carnal eyes can be tricked so easily. Our carnal eyes will look at things and we don't understand the, the magnitude of God's power. We don't understand the ability that God has to change a situation just by the force of his will. And so when we look at a situation, we work out what we would try to make happen. We work out what we can do through, like, our logic, and we say, this situation is just not going to happen. But since when is impossible a problem for God? Since when is impossible too much for God to handle? Whenever, Whenever Mary and Martha's brother Lazarus died, they looked at the situation, they looked at his dead body, and they said, there is no way. They looked at his dead body, and what they were saying is, it is over. And what God was saying, what Jesus said was, Lazarus, come forth. He didn't say he's dead, he's gone. He said, Lazarus, come forth. So whatever we look at that seems impossible, God looks at it and he says, come forth. When you look at your bank account and you say, there is no way I'm going to make ends meet, God says, checks in the mail, bills paid off, rebates and returns, gifts and surprises, blessings and increases. And God is ready to do that in your life. And it don't just got to be financial. You look at your situation, you're saying, God, I don't know how we're going to get our marriage fixed. I don't know how we're going to come back from this, but I am a witness today to say that God is good and his grace is sufficient. And so whatever situation you find yourself in, God is able to get you out of it. He's able to say, love, come forth, peace, come forth, joy, come forth in your life. It doesn't have to end the way that you think it should end because you can see things the way that God sees things. And so then the Lord says this to Habakkuk in chapter 2, verse 2. I will stand my watch. This is Habakkuk talking after he's complained a little more. I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart, and I will watch to see what he will say to me. And I will answer him. Listen to this. This is pretty cool. When I am corrected. I will answer him when I am corrected. So there's been some sort of shift in Habakkuk's tone because he's got this whole chapter here where he's like, God, where are you? What is going on? And then he says, I'm lifting my eyes. I'm watching for the response because God's going to show me up. God's going to prove me wrong. I know that he's going to do something. And he says, I'll watch for it for when I am corrected. So in the middle of this situation, what are you looking for? Are you looking for the way out? Are you looking to just scramble out of the situation? Are you looking to the next thing to help you just get it a little bit further? 
Or are you looking for that correction? You're looking for the answer. It's like Pastor talked about with him and Sister Sherry, that they would go through a test year after year, year after year. And he said that he got the answer. And he was done. But then Sister Sherry didn't, so they went through the test again. I don't know. That's what he said. Sister Sherry, don't smack me. That's what he said. But listen, that's what, that's what we need to be looking for is what is God trying to, sh- to put into me? What is God trying to correct or grind off of my life or cut out of my soul? Because I've let it get too deep. I've let it bury itself in there. Look for that opportunity to be corrected like Habakkuk did. He said, when I am corrected. Then the Lord answered Habakkuk and said, this is chapter 2, uh, verse 2. Write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may, he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Wait for the vision. Look for the vision. What is it that God promised you at the beginning of the year? What is it that you felt in your spirit that you could step out and take a risk on? What is it in your heart that you feel like God led you to pursue, and then you started pursuing it, and it feels like you feel flat on your face? God is saying, it feels like it's delayed. That's what that word Terry means. It's delayed. It feels like it's late, but he's saying, no, there's an appointed time. Your blessing has an appointed time. Your breakthrough has an appointed time. God is never late, and God is never too early. God is always exactly on time. He is there at the, the lowest points. He's there at the highest points, but he's always there at the right point. And so in your life, though, it feels like, God, your blessing is so delayed. This struggle is far longer than I anticipated. I felt like I'd have been through this by now. I felt like I'd have been over this by now. And God is saying, I promise you, I can bring good out of this. I can bring purpose out of this pain, this darkness that you're experiencing. I'm about to shed light on a situation like I've never shed light in your life before, and you're going to have true vision, right sight, and you're going to be able to see that I've been here the entire time. And so Habakkuk is trying to write this down. He's trying to make this plain because the whole of Israel needs to hear this. The whole of Israel needs to know that God is preparing uh, deliverance. God is preparing breakthrough. He's going to do it in their lives at the appointed time. If my mom could come, the musicians could come. In chapter 3, the prophet is praying one last time. And he gets to verse number 17 in the last chapter of Habakkuk. And he says, Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit beyond the vines. Though the labor of the olive may fail, and the fields would yield no food. Though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Listen to this. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord is my strength. He will make my feet like the doe's feet, and he will make me walk on high hills. Habakkuk understood. At the very end of it all, after his heated conversation with God, after his questioning, after his wondering, he got a glimpse. He got a glimpse of what it meant to see with right sight, with corrected vision. Going forward, God is trying to reveal to us, I believe, something magnificent. I believe something amazing. Over a year ago, 
it was prophesied over this church, this church, that something was shifting. We were over at camp meeting in Waimama, Florida, and the, the preacher there uh, didn't know me, and he saw me over here standing. He said, you in the yellow shirt, and he pulled me up on the stage, and he grabbed a hold of me, and he poked me in the chest kind of a little aggressively. <laughs> you know how evangelists do. And, uh, and he said, I don't know where you're at, but something's about to shift where you're at. And that was very close, recent to when I came here. And he said, I don't know where you're at, but something's shifting over where you're at. And I, I had a, a little bit of talk uh, with you guys, a little bit of exhortation where I talked about when we shift gears in a car and we go to the next level. And I talked about how the gears can grind and how there can be struggle and how we have to press the clutch in so that we can shift the gears. We have got to be pressing into the presence of God, revealing his light in our life so that the right light can hit the right spot so that we can do the right things. Because God is ready to do something at his appointed time, but if we're not ready for our appointment, if we miss the appointment, it's not on him, that's on us. It's not on him to get you in his presence. It's on you. He's not going to pray the prayer for you. He's not going to praise the praise for you. He says, behold, I stand on the door and knock. He says, I'm here. And then he says, anyone who opens, that's your part. You got to walk to that door, open that door, and let God in. Stand with me all over this house. I hope you've heard me today. I hope you've heard this word and that it struck you at some point and that it would, would encourage you or would drive you to push forward to get your sight right, to get your vision corrected. When they do this laser surgery now, thank God it's no longer, you know, a lathe and freezing nitroglycerin and stitches in your eye. Now they have a, a very simple process, and they literally do it in 30 seconds. And, and listen, I'm not even joking. They have lasers that create millions of, of, of little tiny cuts that, that heal within like 30 minutes after you're done. It's crazy. The advancements. But I want you to see that no matter how small, no matter how small it seems, there might be something in your eye that's keeping you from seeing what God wants you to see. And so in the scripture, it talks about in the end of days that I believe it would be the young man would dream dreams and the old man would see visions. Is that correct, Papa? The other way. Flip, flip it around. Okay. So the young man would see visions and the old man would dream dreams. Thank you for that. See, that's why we need y'all. That's why we need y'all. And that's why it's us and you together and we do this thing. Because there's things y'all know and you've experienced that you can teach us. And there's things that they know and they're experiencing that they can teach you. And so no matter how small these things seem in our life, we've got to get ready and get prepared to be a part of that remnant that sees visions and dreams dreams. We've got to dream again. We've got to have visions. We've got to see again. God is ready to do something in this world. Every time that you see pestilence and plague and destruction, you see power and presence and anointing and blessing on the other side. So I'm a firm believer in the fact that God is getting ready to shift this. I'm a firm believer that God is ready to do it in you and me and us in this place, in that place, and going on further. 
I believe God is ready to do something amazing in your life. If you believe that with me, you just give God a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. I believe God wants to bring revival. I believe God wants to get prayer back in our schools. I believe God wants to get prayer back in the hearts of people. He wants people to see right. He wants people to do right. And so are you going to do it? Are you going to get it right? Are you willing to go through the discomfort? Are you willing to go through the struggle? Because God is willing to use you if you're willing to be used. God is willing to do it if you're willing to do it. Bow your heads all over this place. If you're here tonight and you say, I haven't been seeing right for a while. My vision is a little blurry, but I want to get it right tonight. If you just lift your hand up, if that's you. Amen. I want to get my sight. I see those hands. I want to get my sight right. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to pray a quick prayer over those that raise their hand. And then I'm going to do a specific altar call. Dear Lord, I pray for those that raised their hand and even those that may not have, that, that felt like they should have. God, I pray that your spirit would get, begin to minister to them. Lord, and just like the servant, when Elisha prayed a simple prayer, your Holy Spirit revealed to that servant everything that he could not see. And I pray, Lord, that for those that are willing and ready to see that tonight, under your supernatural power and under your anointing, God, that they would see what you're doing. They would see that it's not just COVID on the horizon, but it's your glory on the horizon. It's not just pandemic, but it's also promise. God, I believe you're ready to do something amazing in our, our Crystal River Church of God and even beyond these four walls. And I, I just want to be a part. I just want to be a small part of what you're about to do in this kingdom. So God, help me get my sight right. Help me get my sight right tonight. If you're one of those that wants your sight right, as we sing this song, if the Spirit Life team would just come forward, make themselves available to pray. If you've, been, if you've had your, your vision blurred for a long time and you need a special touch from God this morning, or this evening rather, I just ask that you'd come forward. If you want your sight right tonight, this is your opportunity to get your sight right, to get those things removed. Hallelujah. Thank you again for listening to this message. We pray that it has inspired you like never before. For more information about Crystal River Church of God, how to give, or even our upcoming events, be sure to check us out at crystalrivercog.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Be sure to like and subscribe to this podcast, and we will see you next week here at CRCOG.